0: Processing a pandemic, tackling tricky family dynamics, and attempting to celebrate Christmas at a social distance. 2020, Cupid a year we'll never forget. Hello, you're very welcome to the final UOK of 2020. You may remember all the way back at the very start of this podcast, we decided that the only thing we had to achieve this year was to make it to the end. Well, here we are. We, let's be honest, maybe feeling a bit rough around the edges, but we made it. And, you know, I hope that you can take some time in yourself in the next few days to acknowledge that in your own way and just check in with how you're feeling as we reach this particular milestone in the pandemic. I'm joined today by psychotherapist and counselling psychologist, Dr Sinead Lynch and National Suicide Bereavement Support Coordinator, Oliver Skehan. They'll obviously share their expertise with us, but really this episode is just about having a chat and sharing the experience of the last few months, as well as working out how best to mind ourselves over the festive season, because look, there's no denying it, Christmas can be stressful. This has been one turbulent year. I think it's one adjective we can use to describe it and now that the dust is settling on it we'd obviously come to high points don't worry listener this isn't going to be a whole big oh my god it was awful but what was your lowest point in it do you think Sinead?
1: I'd have to say most recently has been my lowest although in June my dad who's in his 80s was very sick and needed to go to hospital and was very worried about catching Covid and was really really anxious about that and we were all anxious and wanted to get him back home I still think recently, like this second lockdown has been the hardest. I had a second baby in June, so maybe it's all the loss that I feel like I've experienced since then. And I think I'm really in a place of loss right now, actually. So as much as it's like looking back on the year and gosh, what have we come through? In a way, I feel like, God, I think the steamroller has just passed and I'm sort of still in a flattened space And I think I just want to acknowledge that because I think as much as there's a vaccine and there's hope and we're looking to the future and that's fantastic and Christmas is a joyful time. I think there's still a lot of loss for people, whether they can't meet up or maybe they're still frightened. So for me, my lowest point has actually been the second lockdown, not being able to get out and do the multitude that I would love to normally do, not just with a new baby, but just at this festive time.
0: The bit where you said... You feel in the flattened state, like I can really identify with that. I think a lot of people will be able to identify with that. Like the experience has flattened us.
1: Yeah, and it's just about seeing that and recognizing that, and kind of giving space to that in a way. Because I think I'm still trying to grapple with a lot of of what went on. I think I might have mentioned something recently about can I, you know, can I get my maternity leave back again after all of this? Because that feels like a huge. Loss in itself. I know there's people who have had new babies and they haven't been able to show them to family or meet family. And then there's lots of different life experiences. There's been funerals, people can't attend those. It's not that COVID has even passed. It's just as again we're seeing maybe light in the horizon. And I feel a little bit like I don't even know if I'm processing that piece yet. I'm still just like, oh gosh, I've just kind of come through a second lockdown. And I'm just trying to manage again.
2: Ollie, what about you? I think initially I'd agree with Sinead in terms of the second lockdown has been much more difficult in an overall sense than the first one. I think there was an air of it was quite novel at the start and we were all in it together and we were all on the same journey and kind of acting out the same drama. I think initially I found the very quick adjustment you had to make in your life quite difficult. I found the working from home really difficult and the monotony of day after day after day and kind of the endlessness of it all and the constant bombardment of information about COVID and what you should and shouldn't do or could or couldn't do. Even things like the weekend, like every day just eventually just merged into one into another and even the weekend wasn't any different. And everyone kept saying everyone's on the same journey and in the same place and on in the same boat. But I think it was Bono that said that we weren't all in the same boat. We were all maybe on the same ocean At the start of lockdown, I had three kids under five at home, working from home, which is a different experience altogether to somebody, you know, with grown up children or somebody who has no children at all or somebody who's of a much older vintage. That thing kind of annoyed me at the start, the whole being in in together. Uh, And we were, I suppose, but um, yeah, it was easy to get lost in it all. And also the, the lack of freedom to do what you want to do or even to have the choice to do it more so, I'd say. You know, you might not actually want to go anywhere, but you were being told you couldn't do it anyway, even if you wanted to. So I found that kind of difficult as well. And the face-to-face interaction with people was a really difficult thing. Like I would find I really struggle at home working from home because I much prefer being in people's company and, you know, engaging with people and interacting with people and even the physical kind of seeing people and shaking their hands and, you know, a contact or a hug or all those things were kind of taken away, which, uh, I found really difficult. We should probably all just kind of slow down and take a breath for Christmas I think and just do as much as we can and not put pressure on each other.
0: When you said you had uh, three children under five working from home Sinead and I both winced (laughs) just went oh my god Yeah Yeah,
2: and like Jan like, um, not for a second they're absolutely fantastic and they certainly distract you from the horrible reality that was Covid and is Covid at times but Sinead will agree, I'm sure the demands are kind of endless, you know, it's hard to find some space to to breed and to to find some peace. We have a book here, Five Minutes Peace, about a large family who have a, a family of elephants and the mother tries to go for a bath. I think in the end, she ends up getting three minutes and 48 seconds of peace in the kitchen having a cup of tea. So, yeah.
1: It was maybe that sense of gratitude in the beginning, this gratitude of time. So like, what did we get in the beginning? Well, actually, we got time. And we mightn't have wanted that time or the time looked different like that, like trying to work at home with three under five isn't the time necessarily. But all of a sudden you're also saying, oh, here's the silver lining or here's here's the gratitude piece. But then it's okay to also have other feelings in gratitude and you get used to the gratitude and then you're like, oh, no, actually, I've I've moved. I've moved away from that now and I'm feeling lots of different other things and frustration is one of them.
0: You alluded, Sinead, to the concept of feeling a sense of gratitude and feeling a sense of time in the first lockdown. And I wonder what was the most positive thing that you felt over the last while that you maybe will try and
1: take with you as we move through and hopefully out of this pandemic? It's the sentiment that less is more. I know that we're at a very kind of commercial and consumer driven time of year generally with Christmas, but it's actually just even simply down to, you know, when people are giving out about, oh, my God, if I have to cook another meal, if I have to do another grocery shop. But in actual fact, I, I've stripped back on so many different things. So, yes, I've stripped back on the fact that I don't go shopping. I never buy online because nothing ever fits me. Um, so, you know, it's not just the consumer end of things in terms of stripping back. I decorated my tree this year and I put on one set of lights and very few ornaments just purely so I could see the green. And I just noticed generally that I was removing lots of pressures. Now, nothing, we would never be the type of household that has to go and do a Santa experience, that has to go and do whatever. And again, I probably have very small children, so maybe I'm not there yet, But generally, even the family I was brought up in, we we didn't have that sort of maybe expectation or pressure. But I've noticed less is more in terms of expectation on myself, in terms of doing. So if I only get out once in the day, that's enough. And we often talk about the good enough mother or the good enough anything is good enough. And we try to reduce pressure on ourselves. But actually, for me, it's just that less is more. And I think I really will keep that. I suppose an analogy I have is that I've walked the Camino many times. And the lighter the bag you had, the less the less pressure. And that's just life. Like the lighter the load, the less stress. And I think I really want to try and take that forward with me. And I think this pandemic has stripped me of of so many different things Um, and really that it just comes down to connection and to be really soppy at Christmas, it comes down to love. But I think that's what I will try to take with me.
2: I suppose the quietness of it all, I suppose when everything was stripped back and the clutter of the life that we were all living was kind of taken away you kind of get to realise what's around you, your young children who are just amazing and just kind of growing every day, your family and I suppose missing your family but realising how important they are to you and like the best of humanity was on show, people coming together like in unprecedented circumstances to make things easier for people in their community, acknowledging and knowing that you were, it was okay to turn to somebody on the street and say hello or knock on your neighbor's door and say, how how are things? Or, you know, can I help you? And I've read so many things about communities coming together and streets, getting to know each other and community spirit, all these things that kind of the distraction of modern life kind of takes away from us. Uh, I found that really heartening um, and I hope it continues on. I know things will probably get back to maybe not normal, but something approaching normal. And it'll all become much more commercial and kind of busy and fast and, and never ending. But I hope that we hold on to the ability to kind of reach out to each other and to realise that like we're all just a tiny speck and we all need a little helping hand along the way. Um, I know I'd spoken to you, John, about the loneliness uh, kind of uh, task force and my involvement with that early on. And that was, there was a similar kind of connotation with that, with the whole distraction that you wouldn't even notice that somebody was passing you might not be living the same life you're living and could be extremely lonely. And I also spoke to you, John, about my own children kind of saying hello to people on the street in the morning going to school and that knocking people out of their walking or, you know, and people not expecting a child to say hello and them having a smile on their face and how impactful that can be to somebody during a day, you know, who might not speak to an awful lot of people during the day. So, The humanity of it all and the ability to kind of make things easier for each other. I hope we hold on to that.
0: Like I remember you, Ollie, talking to me about the loneliness task force and describing a particular instance where you were at a bus stop early in the morning with one or two other people and the most stunning sunrise was happening in all of your eyelines. And there was this concept that nobody would talk to each other or mention to each other this amazing thing that you were all experiencing at the same time.
2: Maybe there could have been 10 or 15 people at, at the bus stop at that time. And they were all maybe looking at Instagram, looking at the sunset or the sunrise in Dublin 8 or Dublin 10 or whatever, when it was actually right in front of them. But they were too consumed and too distracted with social media and having to be on a particular platform or engaging with particular people on a particular platform. They just couldn't see what was in front of them. And when the lockdown and when COVID hit, everything slowed down and you kind of had to take time for yourself. And then you realised what was around. You could hear the birds singing, you could see the colour of the leaves changing, all these amazing things that are going on around you, which we completely take for granted and not even take for granted, we don't even notice them most of the time, which is the tragic thing, I think.
0: For people who are still feeling or maybe didn't feel at the start and feel now that sort of palpable anxiety around catching COVID, what are some of, I mean, I know we've covered things like this along the way, but I think it's no harm to reiterate
1: some of the strategies that are good to help just manage that level of heightened anxiety. You know, straight off, it's just worth knowing. And I guess this is what we call psychoeducation sometimes, because people don't understand what's happening when they feel anxious. And so they don't understand what the feeling is in their body, the sensation. And that can be frightening in itself. So you're wondering why you're trembling a little bit or why you've lost your appetite or why you feel lightheaded or nauseous or Kind of why you're sweating, or there's a tightness in your chest. You know, so many and but so many people would often say, "God, I actually thought I was nearly having a heart attack." So, um, I suppose when you have stress hormones running around your body, it, it it's it's a frightening experience if you don't know what's happening. So, I guess if you know straight off, okay, this is just anxiety. This is cortisol running through my body. I'm 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 primed to protect myself. This is just a natural reaction. That in itself can kind of just help. Just knowing that. But because it is such a physical reaction, I suppose, in a way, you nearly need to get physical. And so, of course, there's lots of evidence around how exercise benefits um, anxiety. And of course, there's breathing. I think I always go back to breathing, but it's because it's the most in the moment thing that you can do. Your breath is your easiest access to reduce this anxiety. And I always just say, if the anxiety is in your body, then your breath can... Relieve that and your breath basically just by inhaling through your nose and, and out through your mouth and doing that maybe three times in the moment. It'll tell your mind, your body will then tell your mind, "Okay, I can calm down. I'm safe. This is okay." Otherwise, try to get physically active. I love that song by Florence and the Machine, Uh, Shake It Off. Uh, If you think about a dog when he comes in from, you know, being wet or shaking off his coat, (laughs) he is shaking it off. And honestly, this is why dance is often such a good therapy. (laughs) Get physical. There's another quote in the song. <laughs> Who am I quoting now? Get physical. <laughs> Olivia, you Olivia, to tell you. You should that's put at least a soundtrack. Yeah. Oh my God, soundtrack for anxiety. Here we go, Jan. This can be after this podcast. But yes, if you physically need to move in your body, you physically need to become present to your body, that will help in terms of shaking off that kind of, that anxiety. But really it's, it's down to just being, okay, I'm going to take this moment. I'm going to breathe in and breathe out. And I'm going to trust that my body will actually calm my mind down.
0: even if COVID hadn't happened, even if we weren't in a pandemic, we could do a podcast series about stress at Christmas because it is such a stressful time. I suppose it might be no harm to check in with each of us about how that stress can manifest. Ollie, what do you find really stressful at Christmas time?
2: generally I would look forward to Christmas I suppose like everybody you'd kind of find family can be stressful and get togethers um, and even more so this year when you're kind of not really sure whether you should be with your family or taking part in get togethers or not so I suppose that kind of has to pan out yet what way that's going to work Um, I suppose I would try to lower expectations generally in terms of Christmas and kind of put as little pressure on myself and others as possible so you know just kind of lower expectations, uh, try not to get get too caught up in the whole commercial side of it. Take time for yourself, physical exercise for sure, um, getting outside the door, getting out in nature, walking, just general fresh air, trying to kind of step away from it all would be really important things for me. But also then in terms of if you have young children or, you know, to completely inhabit their world as well and kind of allow yourself to get caught up in the wonder and the excitement of it all, because... The days are long, but the years are short. So um, I would, I would tend to try and return to be a child myself, which doesn't take too much. Uh, too, it's not much of a task most of the time. But um, yeah, that's what I would do anyway. <laughs>
1: What about you, Sinead? What what causes you stress at Christmas? Um, Last year, like for example, I suppose I was just remembering that I did have all the family over on Christmas Eve and tried to cook, and our kitchen is just not capable of cooking for twelve to fourteen people, some of who are vegan and some are vegetarian. So you know, half half the people got cold meals, and uh, and half had finished by the time I sat down. So (laughs) that stressed me out. (laughs) And then the next day, we all went to my sister in law, who just served served everyone a fantastic meal in minutes, and of course. I was like, well, that's great. So <laughs> there, that's stress in two, two, two ways. One, family and uh, competition. And the other is expectation on yourself. So it's funny. It's certain expectation. And I'm, who can we blame? Hallmark? I'm not sure. What's the perfect Christmas? Again, I don't have that this year because I have stripped it right back. Yes, the cooking has been taken off my hands too. And the family is so much smaller so that's all taken away the stress but I just want to enjoy the simplicity and I suppose as Ollie said too I really am excited about my you know he will be three in January so you know I am buzzing for Santa um so yeah I, I think the stress for me would be um expectation as well
2: Santa is probably the greatest thing that can happen to you this year in a way because it you know it, it kind of probably distracts us from from what's going on around us and it's like the wonder of it all and um you know, the, the gift of giving and all those kind of things that people say and giving and not receiving and all those sort of things I think are really important. They all sound very cliche, but they'll be really important this year because I suppose you haven't seen people and you haven't been able to express your gratitude towards them and uh, let them know how much they mean to you. So uh, you, just, you have to try and find a balance this year without kind of overdoing it, I suppose, and kind of having like 20 presents for someone and whereas just kind of finding something and just saying thanks very much. Like,
0: I think that is something if people are feeling stressed during Christmas, that idea that keep your expectations just rational and achievable and not be aiming for something that you can't possibly do. Like when you've already, when the train has left the station in terms of that feeling, what can you do to not ruin, like to not
1: fall off the wagon and roll in the mud while you're down there, you know? Well, if it's already left the station, I would, again, bring you back to your breath. But, you know, maybe remove yourself from the situation in in that moment. OK, so in that instance, just so later you don't have that feeling of regret. So instead of reacting, you're reflecting. Um, and so taking that time to just step away. Um, and I would even suggest before the train has left the station. So maybe even in anticipation now of any sort of fear around what stresses you out or relationship difficulties in the family, t- take the time now to kind of become a little bit aware of yourself. So just sit quietly and ask, what is it exactly that kind of, you know, what is the worst of it? What what really gets under my skin? You know, is it that I just get really frustrated by my brother or, you know, is there a sister? I, I'm going to use sisters as examples because I don't have any. Um, <laughs> it, you know, is it my sister who always is looking for attention on Christmas Day? Or is it my sister who's the loudest? Or And what is it about that? Oh, yeah, it's that I feel silenced mm-hmm. in that and, you know, that that that's hurtful or whatever it is, right? So that you actually, again, get to just know yourself. And um, and so within that time, then you've got to know yourself and maybe you've given yourself a few cues so that when the sister gets really loud, that you're able to sit there and say, do you know what? I'm just going to put myself, let's use the, the COVID bubble. Let's use the bubble. I'm going to put myself in my own bubble here for a moment and not react. I now know I've reflected that this kind of annoys me. Um, I can't do anything about her right now. I, I can't change her. But what I can do is I can change Myself and I can choose not to react. It's changing the dance, and I love that idea, right? So I get into a certain dance with a certain brother over a certain thing every year right and we you know it could be something really simple again who's sitting where at the table who's whatever you know and we return to our childlike state. so we can't uh, we can't forget that we really do as soon as we get in that family dynamic that's what happens all throughout life all our relationships get played out from that family dynamic the more aware you are of it the better prepared so we return to this childlike state and you get into this dance and he moves this way and you move that way and he expects it and you expect it and all of a sudden it's ended up the same as it does every year and you get fed up and you're meeting your friends on Stevens' day to have a rant, try to change that dance. Try to say to yourself, actually, you know what, I'm not going to make that, you know, forward move. What are we doing this A Salsa? I'm not sure. But just, you know, change it up for yourself. And again, you know, having that, it, you can add a bit of fun to it. You can kind of say to yourself, I'm going to just be a different person this year and I'm going to have a bit of fun with that and I'm not going to load myself with all this pressure and everybody else will probably see a difference in me too.
0: I'm conscious that every year at Christmas it can be particularly difficult for anyone that lost somebody... And there's just distance and loss, like Sinead, you touched on it about loss of a whole load of things. I know, Ollie, in your work, you support people who've been bereaved through suicide. And I'm just wondering, in that context, but also in the broader context of COVID, like what are some of the pieces of advice or ways that we can support people bereaved in that way throughout the year that might be really keenly feeling it at the moment?
2: Bereavement in general throughout this year has been completely like the rituals associated and attached to bereavement in this country have been completely turned on their head and it's been really, it's been twice as difficult for people to um, function in the aftermath of a bereavement because the supports that would have inevitably been there because we're Irish and that's the way we do things, like have completely been wiped out. The physicality of kind of having people around you and the support that they offer and, you know, even small things like the tea and sandwiches after a funeral and reminiscing about somebody that you've lost. All those things have been wiped out. So it's been a really challenging year for people who've lost anybody no matter what way they've been bereaved. But I suppose in terms of suicide, If you're trying to support somebody who's lost someone who has been bereaved by suicide, listening or uh, more importantly, letting the person talk is a really important thing Um, and offering to help with practical tasks if you can. A really simple thing is like showing love and kindness and support is a really difficult thing. Like grief can be a really lonely seat and allowing the person who's lost someone to talk about the person who has died and keeping their name in the space and not forgetting about the person are really important things as as well when it comes to bereavement by suicide and overall bereavement, I suppose. Um, But listening is a really, really, um, would be a really, a really key one for me anyway.
0: We can feel so uncomfortable about things sometimes that we just think it's easier for everyone not to talk about it. Mm -hmm. But actually it's probably just that we feel it's easier for us because inevitably the person who's been bereaved would love to talk about Mm -hmm. the person they've lost Mm -hmm. in most cases,
1: I imagine. It's so part of who you are after you've lost someone that it's not... It's not something new to mention their name or it's, you know, it's you're always feeling it. So it's not like, oh, I, I don't want to upset you. Oh, no, it's, it's there. So, you know, I, I'm holding it myself. So it's OK to say their name. And I know for me personally, like Ali saying that there was rituals maybe after the first time the first Christmas after my mum died, which was a long time ago now, but it was actually, you know, maybe still keeping her place at the table or setting a place for her. Or um, it's now kind of turned into more so that we have Christmas decorations with her name on it or one of the Christmases again, maybe a few years after. This is very The Family Stone, which is why it breaks my heart every year and why I totally affiliate with it. But I gave a picture to each of my brothers of of my mother and them when they were little each separately um, and so I guess you know it is about as Ollie says keeping the person alive or, or as you said they're like always on, on the lips we each have our process around loss or feelings just feelings generally like mm-hmm. so it is hard sometimes to mention someone's name and to be witness to someone else's pain or you know as Ollie says like to just to listen and to be okay with just listening, just to remind people that it, it, you know, it's a privilege to listen to people's feelings. So to try not to be afraid of that and try not to be afraid of their own feelings.
2: Sometimes the best thing you can do is be quiet and let somebody talk and particularly talk about someone they've lost. And if they want to talk about someone they've lost, then you remember to to mention their name and keep them alive because that's a really important thing for people. Like if you've lost someone yourself, you know, you know, it's really important to accept offers of help, which can be hard to do as well. Like sometimes it's good to let people know that you are comfortable talking about somebody that has has lost, has has been, uh, who has died, sorry, but also to kind of take some quiet time for yourself and give as much as you can, as much as you're comfortable with. Don't put too much pressure on yourself because like it's a long journey, grief, And like, I think around Christmas, it can be a trigger for all sorts of things, but it can particularly be a trigger for grief. At the same time, the very best of people is on show at Christmas, I think. So, you know, if you can try and harness that, it can completely ease ease the journey somewhat over, over the few difficult days of Christmas.
0: when you were talking about the idea of the best of everybody being on show at Christmas, I always think it is one of the sweetest things ever on Christmas Eve. Newsreaders, people in the ESB, people in like um, air traffic control and everyone going, yes, yes, we've got clearance and diplomatic clearance for Santa and we've got air traffic control mm. is oh, up yeah. and we've checked the, in a storm, like we've checked the various different uh, ESB lines and stuff. Like that is just
1: such a beautiful way that everybody comes together. We have had the year of reflection, and if we can slow down, as Ollie said in the beginning, and if we can just try and find a piece, we'll have a huge piece of ourselves to give, Jan.
0: <laughs> oh, Sinead, Sinead knows how much I love a pun, and she's just delivered like Santa at Christmas a big, lovely, lovely.
2: Sinead was talking about, um, kind of changing up your dance moves or whatever. Like that, surely that would be the greatest gift to any member of your family if you were able to give them unexpected dance moves at Christmas that they'd never seen before. That would be great. Do you know, that did you, great. you, could like it's like your catalogue that no one even knew you had of dance moves <laughs> and just present them over the few days of Christmas. You know, I think that'd be amazing. If someone presented new dance moves for me at Christmas, I'd be just, I'd have to sit down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just love that idea
1: so much. It was a metaphor (laughs) for how he's
2: just going to be doing the standby in his kitchen. Okay, I'd probably be dancing anyway. So if anyone (laughs) wants to join in, they're more than welcome. At a social distance, obviously.
0: (laughs) I hope you enjoyed that chat. I hope it gave you some comfort and some clarity about how and why we can feel so stressed at this time of year and how you know the experience of navigating the year we've had has left us all just that bit flattened or perhaps you know your fight or flight is still turned on and your anxiety levels are up and that leaves you feeling fatigued too. The thing is though irrespective of how you feel you made it That is my Christmas wish for you, that you get to feel some peace this year, that you get to lean into those self-care practices that we've talked a lot about on previous episodes. And just that you find that pocket of time to pause, as Sinead was saying, you know, to breathe and to connect to how you're feeling in yourself about all that's happened over the last while. Thanks so much for your company over the last... 38 or so episodes, I think, at this stage. I've really enjoyed our chats and hopefully we'll talk again soon. In the meantime, take care. Happy Christmas. And we'll see you on the other side. okay is created and edited by Paul Moriarty and me, Jan Lilliannagon. If you or someone you know is struggling or in crisis this Christmas, you can find help and advice through the following organisations. You can call the Samaritans on 116 123. If you're in crisis, have been bereaved by suicide or want to talk to a therapist, you can call Pieta House on 1800 247 247 or just text HELP to 51444. If you're an older person feeling lonely or concerned about anything, contact alone on 0818 222 024. And if you don't feel safe in your own home or in your own relationship, call Women's Aid 24 hours of the day, seven days a week on 1800 341 900. Or if you're a man suffering domestic abuse or coercive control, you can contact Men's Aid on 554 3811. You can find these and other helplines at rte.ie forward slash support.